God can always endure. That's good stuff. Amen. Well, again, thanks for coming, everybody. I know uh, the weather outside is not my friend today, but uh, so what, right? We're going to exalt Jesus anyway, and uh, we'll maybe even learn something, okay? Uh, quickly, uh, this coming up Friday night uh, over at High Point Coffee House uh, is the gathering with uh, young Chase, whoever he is. I think he left. So <laughs> he's around here anywhere, somewhere. You can talk to him about it. It's at 7 p.m at High Point Coffee on 7800 Redwood Road. Uh, it's just uh, kind of an uh, informal Bible study. He was talking about the Trinity last time, which everybody who was in that room was like, wow, boy, that got everybody's mind going on, on certain areas of that. So I don't know what he's going to talk about this Friday, but um, it's going to be great. Uh, he just is finishing up his studies at Oral Roberts University, so he kind of knows his stuff. Right. Great, great place, by the way, to go if you have questions about stuff, about anything in the word. Um, you know, he, he really knows his stuff and he can he can help you. Amen. So amazing grace. We're week two of our series in amazing grace. And uh, for those of you who are new to us, the binders and handouts are over there. Go ahead. Grab one. Those are for you to keep. OK, you can have it. Take it with you. I want to encourage you, take some notes, because if this, like like most, is like the only word that you hear all week, you can refresh, right? Go back and reread. Go back and, and read the scriptures and read Romans and read and understand how this thing works. Because as I said last week, grace, God's grace has got to be foundational in your walk with God. I mean, all the Gospels and all the teaching and all of everything that Jesus did is great. But a lot of times, if we don't understand how God's grace works, your life gets messed up, and it really matters how you react when you fail. And if you don't understand how grace works, how God's grace works, let's say that, when you fail in life, you're going to have a, a backwards, um, uh, you're, gonna, you're, you're just going to get messed up because you're not going to understand how grace works. I don't know how to enunciate this. It seems to be a problem. But anyway, last week we were talking about, in your handout there, you should have some definitions about how, how it, what grace does and what grace is, right? There's a couple different things we're going to talk about all through this series. First of all, grace does divinely enable us to live a new life in God. It's divinely enabling you to live a new life in God. That's kind of important because if, if, when you transpose over into salvation, that's when sanctification begins and a new life starts, right? We all know that old life is gone and a new life starts. And then we define grace is... That's what grace does. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. And I had mentioned last week, if you make that your confession, you will begin to get it automatically. Because over and over you roll it through your mind, pretty soon your mind's going to shift over into like, I am favored by God. I am God's favorite, and I walk in divine favor every day. Okay? And then we talked about unmerited, 
and how it's a free gift. You can't, you can't buy it. You can't grab it. Uh, in the first century, church people were trying to purchase this thing, and it just wasn't working out. Um, we see in, in uh, Acts, there's a gentleman that's trying to, he's a magician trying to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just not working out for him. It's undeserved. Um, we, we looked at Romans 3.24, where it's justified. That word justified means just as if I'd never sinned. And then it's freely with no cost, right? And then it's unearned. There's nothing you can do. You can't be nice enough. You can't give enough money. You can't do enough right things to have it, okay? So that was last week. I want to encourage you. I believe our website's up to date now with all of the messages through Christmas and stuff. So um, I want you to jump in there and take a handout and go listen to that online, and you should be caught up, right? Don't miss any of these in the series. Uh, it's, it's just amazing, literally, amazing grace. So today, Romans chapter 4, we kind of ended in chapter 3 last week. Today in, in Romans chapter 4, we're going to talk about amazing righteousness. And let me just say, I always say, when I got the grace revolution or the grace, uh, when I figured it out, it changed my life. And I don't mean, I mean, salvation was great, but when I got the revelation of grace, everything changed, especially that righteousness is something that I have no matter what it looks like, no matter how I act, no matter how I, what I say, no matter, you know, how I treat people, anything, I am righteous, Right? I am, and it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing scripture that we're going to talk about because in, in Romans chapter 4, Paul talks about Abraham. And for the Jewish people, Abraham was the man. He was the father of everything. And, and just so you know, in the timeline, Abraham was 500 or 600 years before the law was given. So, you know, he wasn't Jewish. Uh, that, you know, Israel was his grandson. So he was down the line. There was Abraham, there was Isaac, there was Jacob, and then Jacob's sons. One of, you know, Jacob's name was Israel, and his sons were the 12 tribes. So in the timeline of things, Abraham's way before any law, way before Israel was a nation, way before everything. So here he is. He's the father of the faith for the, for the Jewish people. And here's Paul talking about him. In, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works... Now, this is what happens with us Christians a lot. You know, we, we get saved, we get set free, and we're having this great time, you know, getting to know God, getting to know God's people. And then what happens is, is that our vision begins to, to get off of Jesus. That, that happens when we're saved. It's like when Peter gets out of the boat and then starts getting on God's people. And then we start getting critical. And then we get over, oh, I got to be nice and I got to treat this and I got to do this. And I got to, uh, these works mentality shows up in the Christian life. And then what happens is you get frustrated with this life of being a Christian and you decide, I can't do it anymore because I'm not good enough. And, and then you get into works mentality, and then finally you give up. And you're like, I can't, I can't do this. It's too hard. 
seen it a million times, especially with younger people in this generation because they, they just bounce from one thing to the next to the next. Well, let me encourage you today that you will never be good enough and you're never going to be able to handle your life in a way that, that is going to be qualify you for this grace. And Abraham couldn't either. And Paul, the apostle, couldn't either. Peter couldn't either. John, nope. James, sorry, any of the 12 or the 18 after that or anybody from the time Jesus was crucified, nobody qualifies for what's happening here. That's it. So if you can have a mindset like, uh, you know, oh, I'm a loser and I'm not ever going to make it, it's, it's, that's not the mentality that, had, that Jesus purchased on the cross for us because we walk in victory. We have already won the fight. The fight is our, actually already won. You know, that's why we can stand up here and say, we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not below. Because we're already righteous. Okay? So he says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Remember uh, Ephesians chapter 2 last week that Paul said, we, nobody can boast about this. You can't brag about what you did when you get to heaven. Right? So even doing works, you, there's nothing to boast about. But not before God. No boasting. For what does the scriptures say? That's a good place to start, right? Uh, this is quoting Genesis 15, 6, by the way. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, right? Super important word, accounted. We'll come back to that later, right? And then in verse 4, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt, but to him who does not work, but believes, say believes, on him who justifies, say justifies, the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness, okay? Very important that we see that there's, there's certain things in there, that certain words that jump out. Number one, justified. Number two, accounted, right? It was accounted. It was Accounting means keeping track of debits and credits, right? You do so much good, you get so much of this and that, right? Karma, right? <laughs> Whatever. That's not what they're talking about. But if it was accounted for works, you have something to, to boast about. You can say, well, look what I did, right? So, so let's keep going here. If, if we were to go over to the mall or even over to the gym, let's say, because it's close, and we started asking around, especially here in Utah, and we said, Hey, what's it take to get into heaven? What's the answer you're going to get most, right? Got to be a good person. Got to be nice to people. You got to do things, right? Works mentality. We see it all over the place. Well, that's all fine and good, but here's the problem. God's requirement for relationship was never good. Right? You can't be good and qualify for a relationship with God. doesn't work. God requires perfection. So you can't, you can't qualify for perfection. You can't be good enough to be in relationship with God. It requires perfection. Right? Now, luckily for us on this side of the cross, the perfection has already been done. Right? It's already been taken care of. So if I had a question for you, and, and we can't qualify for protection, but then we see the law, 
How many of us have, have broken uh, all the laws, right? Nobody's going to raise their hand because nobody's broken all of them. 613, you know, have you killed anybody? Um, maybe in my mind, I haven't, well, I can't really say I haven't stolen anything. Maybe I qualify for all of them, right? But most people don't. Uh, you haven't broken all of them. But how about the other question? How many of us have broken at least one of those laws, right? Yeah, it's like the deaths and taxes, right? That's everybody. Yeah, you don't really have a choice. Well, it's funny, in James chapter 2, verse 10, says this, which is really kind of stings a little bit. Look what it says. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. That's the perfection that God requires. Now, we'll see in this series in upcoming weeks why the law was given and what the law does. It's just a mirror. And, and the law shows you your need for a savior. You know, that's, that's what it does. And the law, the Bible tells us that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. So no matter how hard you try and how hard you work to be good, you'll never be good enough. That's why God had to send the perfect one, Jesus. Are you with me? Right? So if, if we get to heaven, let's go back to the scripture in, in Romans chapter 4 and, and see how do, we get, how do we get to be perfect besides the, you know, Jesus. How do we get there? It says, it says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, I want to break this down a little bit and kind of go piece by piece by piece. Is that okay? Through this scripture, I want to unpack it a little bit. I want to talk about, you know, what's it mean to believe God? What's, it, what's accounted to him? What does that look like? And then, of course, righteousness. Now, we have to define righteousness. What does righteousness mean? And I think in your notes there, um, that would be point number one in your handout. What is righteousness? What is it? Now, when we're talking about biblical righteousness, the, a good definition would be right standing with God or the state of being right with God. Right? Now, Israel in the Old Covenant could never, ever do this. They, they sacrificed animals and they did animal sacrifice and, and, and that was called atonement, which is just covering. And the new covenant, after Jesus, our sin has been removed. So let's, let's talk about this for a minute. If I said that uh, Dominic Garcia, right, St. Dominic back here, is, uh, is a righteous man, okay? He's, he's a good guy. He shows up when he says he's a good husband. He's a good dad. He lives righteously, that would be pretty accurate. And that would be, that would be pretty accurate, right? Because he's a pretty righteous guy. He believes God and he's in relationship and he would live righteously, okay? But that's not the only assumption to that 
that whole thing. There's more. And if we were to contrast grace and works, we can do it by, by, by doing this. Let's say this. Is he righteous? Is St. Dominic righteous because he does righteous things? Right? Because he does righteous works. Or is he righteous? Is he righteous because he follows after the righteous one? Right? Uh, not, are you with me? This is, this is easy, easy to get, but if you get it, it'll change the way you think about God, right? Now, um, is he right in God's eyes because he does right things? Or does he do right things because he's right in God's eyes? Do you see where we're going with this whole thing? Right? So let's... Uh, How about this? Can a righteous man do an unrighteous thing? Yes, right? All of us. Look in the mirror. But can an unrighteous guy do a righteous thing and get into heaven? No, he cannot. Now, let's that, that's, that's, uh, illustrate, okay? An unrighteous guy, an unbeliever, goes on a business trip. And he's a salesman, and he makes lots of sales, has a great day, makes tons of commissions, makes all kinds of money. He's very happy about it. He's very excited about it. And he goes to dinner at night. He eats dinner. He decides he's going to go for a walk, right? And as he's walking down the street, uh, a, a basketball comes over the fence, and he runs out into the street and grabs it and throws it back over to the fence to the kids, right? He's like, you're welcome. And he keeps walking a little further, and he comes across a, a, an elderly lady who's got two big bags of groceries, and she's struggling. And he grabs her groceries and helps her across the street, walks a couple blocks, takes them to her house up the stairs and, and, and takes them in. Right, and then he walks up, and he's walking back to the hotel. Runs across a homeless guy, and, and, and ministers to the homeless guy, and gives him some money, and, and and continues on his way. Now, do any of those deeds make him righteous in God's eye? Remember, our definition of righteousness is being right. The root words right in God's eyes. None of those things qualify him for heaven, right? Okay, St. Dominic goes on a business trip, and he has a great, or he loses three or four accounts, chops somebody's ear off mistakenly. <laughs> he goes to dinner that night, and he decides to go for a walk. And he's walking down the street, and the ball comes over the fence, and he grabs the ball, he flips the kids off, and he kicks it down the street. And it gets hit by a bus and goes flat, right? And then he's walking along, runs across an old lady with two big bags of groceries. And he says, get out of my way, lady, and shoves her by her face. And she falls down and breaks her eggs into a mud puddle. And he curses at her and walks off, right? By the way, Dominic doesn't go to our church anymore. 
okay? He's just visiting today. But then he's walking along, and he runs across the homeless guy, and he kicks him and tells him he should get a job, and he, he storms off, right? Just having a bad day, right? Right? Now, he knows the Lord. He knows Jesus, and he's righteous in God's eyes. Do any of those encounters make him unrighteous with God at all? Why in the world does the church live like all of that matters? Like they're not righteous enough. They don't qualify enough to be righteous with God, even though they mess up. It's okay to mess up. It's part of the deal. That's why we can stand and say that God's grace and mercy is enough. Because is it enough or is it not enough? I'm not, I don't want to stand here and say what you do doesn't matter because there will be, uh, you know, there's always something that happens when you mess up. If you're going to, you know, steal something, you're going to go to prison, right? There's always consequences, thank you, for what you did. Always. It's called reaping what you sow. So go live any way you want, and oh, God's grace will cover it, and you are going to be in trouble. That's not the goal in the whole thing. We are saved to do good works, it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I mean, it says, it says clearly that we are saved to do good works, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we're supposed to walk in. We are prepared to do good works. That's not going to get us into heaven. That's not going to win us the fight. That's not even going to win us favor with God. It's the righteousness that we live by that we can say, I am righteous. Because here's the point in this whole thing. We are righteous by position, not by promotion or what we did. We are positioned righteously, and that's what I want to talk about today. How did we get to this position? Right? We are righteous by our position, not by performance. Not sure if that's in your handout or not. We are righteous by position, not by performance there are consequences so number two there in your handout did abraham earn it did abraham earn it remember old covenant old testament genesis early genesis could he have earned it well if we read uh, verse two again he says for by abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about if he was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? For Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as about as debt. Accounted means to keep track of debits and credits. Doing works is not bad. It's just not the qualifier. It's not going to get you in, right? Abraham 
uh, if you had a contractor come to your house and remodel your kitchen, you would owe that guy some money. Uh, would you agree? Right? And if he does a good job or a bad job, you are still going to owe him some money. But how can we, as people that are, are, are doing good works because we love Jesus, because we are created to do good works, as your, in, in, in your mind has been established by God to do good things, how do we get righteousness out of doing good works? Well, we don't. Now, let's, let me try to draw this out for you today with my limited skill set. Everybody's asking me about the whiteboard. Well, this is what it's for. So let's draw two or three containers, okay? I've done this before, right? So we got three containers. We'll put feet on these containers. Little person. Okay? Six people that have not been fasted. Okay? This one, this one we should be careful with. This is not working. Okay. All right. So we got three containers, right? Now, we're going to call these three people. And uh, we're going to say this. I'm going to try to stay out of the way, but I'm a little wide. Okay. So we're going to call these people. This is going to be a, a bad person, a good person. Okay, and a perfect person, right? So, simply, this is uh, Jesus being the perfect person, right? And then a bad person, just random thinking about somebody who's who's bad or was bad. This is pre-Jesus, before salvation. Okay, uh, just somebody off the top of my head, somebody who's done lots of bad things. Um, nobody in particular, uh, just, just kind of do that. And then a good person, um, not looking for points or anything, just somebody's name. Okay. A good person who, who was, you know, generally loves people, loves to take care of people, just is a generally a good person. Now, remember, before Jesus, this is before Jesus, right? So uh, let's, let's define some terms here. So we'll, we'll say S is sin, and R will be righteousness. S, no, close enough. Righteousness, okay? So now, before Jesus, okay, this is, this is me, of course, um, I was not. A, I was saved when I was 30 years old. Uh, I had a full life of of causing issues and was just not a very good person. So in my account, we could we could do this. Okay, are you with me? See S for sin. I was full of sin. My account was full of sin. Right. I was not a well. Okay, all right, so not a very good person, right? But I grew up in denominational church. I grew up Catholic. 
Uh, my mom made me go to church, so we'll put one little R right there. And another, uh, no, never mind. That wasn't right. But anyway, so I was, I had a lot of sin. Do you see? Uh, and a little bit of righteousness, but I was, I had, I was just full of sin as a person. I stole stuff. I, I fought a lot. I caused a lot of issues. I made messes of everything. And it was just full of sin. You could see it. I mean, I had 30 years to really mess some stuff up, right? So let's look at, uh, that's me. Now, a good person, right? We'll talk about Michelle. She was a good person. She grew up in a good family, had good parents. And, and so we could say that she had a lot of this in her life, right? Lots of R's, R's everywhere. She was a righteous person. She was doing good things, right? Had good parents, went to school, and, and, fin- and did all this stuff. I mean, she, she had a couple little little mishaps, uh, maybe one there, and you know, just a little S right there. You know, just a little bit. But for the most part, a good person, right? Doing good things, right? And then, of course, Jesus, he's just without sin. So he is just, he's just righteous. There is no sin found in him at all. He is perfect in every way, right? So he's righteous. We see Michelle's righteous with a little bit of sin. And then, of course, there's me, right? So... If we're going to look at this, this is the problem. Remember, we're trying to get to heaven. How do we get to heaven if we're like this? And even the R's that, that Michelle has in her account, it says in Isaiah uh, 64 and verse 6, all of our righteousnesses, our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. So even though she's got all this righteousness, they're filthy rags. It doesn't even matter. It's interesting, isn't it, that this is our state that we're in before Jesus shows up. Right? So 2,000 years go by, or ago, Jesus goes to the cross, and, and guess what happens? All of everything is wiped out. Her righteousness and sin and my sin is wiped out. Because Jesus, when he went to the cross, this is hard. It was easy for him, I guess. All of, his, all of my sin is wiped out. All of her sin is wiped out. And we're, we're just empty now. But there still is still something else that needs to happen. Because it says in, in first or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Right? And then it says um, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Then it says uh, a little earlier in verse 19, it says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to him, no longer counting people's sins against him. I say this all the time, and I get a bunch of crap for it. I don't care. People do not go to hell because of sin. 
they go to hell for unbelief. And if we're going to believe what those scriptures says, not only our sin was removed, but Jesus' righteousness was removed. And God took his righteousness and put it here and here and took our S's and put them over here. That's how it works. It's not reversible. It doesn't matter what you say to your wife or how you treat your boss or what you've done in your life. This is irreversible. It cannot be taken away, and it cannot be um, put on a shelf for later. It's not, it, it's not able to be taken from you. But there is one more little key to make this happen, and it's number three on your notes. What did Abraham have to do? What did Abraham have to do? Well, let's ask Jesus this question. What do we have to do to get this? Because otherwise, we're just empty vessels. Jesus himself said in, in uh, John 6, verse 28 and 29, he said, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Believe, not just head belief, heart belief. There is a, there's a Baptist tract that goes around. I don't know, Baptist, if you're in here, right? But it, it talks about missing heaven by 18 inches. And what it's saying is that you have tons of head knowledge about Jesus. You have you maybe even believe in your head that Jesus is Lord, but it never hits here. It never gets to your heart. And that's the problem. Because Jesus will always weigh your heart before your head. And he, he's not even going to look at your works. Because he wants to talk about your head. And, and let me share this too. The Bible, everybody looked, I don't know, for years I read the Bible. And I was like, man, those are some amazing people. You know, you look at John and Peter and James and the Apostle Paul and even Abraham. And how, how out of control you put these people up on a pedestal and think they're somebody great. These people were not friendly people. Abraham was a heathen. He didn't know God from a stick in the ground, especially this God. And then all of a sudden, one day, God shows up and he says, hey, I want to talk to you. Can you imagine how that conversation went? They'll be like, well, you want to what? Who are you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe a lot of us in here don't know, have never known God in that way, where he wants to talk to you, you know? Um, he, you know Abraham made a hundred million bad decisions in his life. He went in, he had to go, he was moving from one place to another, and he told his wife, husband, you're going to love this one, he told his wife, it's like, hey, tell the king you're my sister so he can take you and abuse you. <laughs> you got to tell me you didn't get yelled at for that one. He did that twice after he knew Jesus, or after he knew God, after God called him out of uh, Chaldean, where he was. God showed up to talk to him the day before, and he said, he, he told him, he said, this is going to be hard for you to believe, but 
I'm here to talk to you, and I want to bless you. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to punish you. I'm not going to put everything you've done against you. I'm here to bless you. That's how the blessing began. And the next day, Abraham believed, and he got up and took his family and split. And went through a lot on the way. It was a tough deal. He said that uh, when he believed, that's when God took the sin out of his account and put righteousness in his account. And he believed, and it was accounted to him. That's an accounting word that means imputed, credited, reckoned, or counted it towards him. He was counted righteous. That's, that's pretty amazing that we as believers can be counted righteous. Are you with me? Now, the final thing in this whole thing is in Romans chapter 10. And we've heard this scripture a lot, especially like at altar call time, because you've got to know that it's more than a head thing. Listen to what he says. He says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that's kind of important, believe in your heart, you will be saved. And then he says in verse 10, for with the heart, with the what? The heart one believes unto righteousness. How do you believe unto righteousness? Got to believe it with your heart. Everything starts and ends with righteousness in your house, heart, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's all stand up together. We're going to confess some salvation here quickly before we go today. Now, I want you to know that, that you know, works matter, works are important, but when we decide and we figure out that we are righteous because of what Jesus did, not what we did, and if you can keep your focus on that, and we were talking in prayer today, um, let me just share this before we, uh, we pray, that I have never in my ministry career seen the amount of people falling away from God as, as I have just in the last year. People who have just have, have been done with God. And I get it. It's hard. It's, it's difficult. And just because you are in relationship with God and you're righteous, you know, not everything's all daisies and tulips. You know, life can suck even though you know Jesus. You know, I think our mentality is, you know, oh, everything's great now. Well, it's not always the case. And, and I, I just want to share this um, with this group and anybody else that maybe you can share with, that if your belief is in your head and it's head knowledge, the enemy can get in there and twist some things and mess with you and make you not think what's true, truth is truth. But if it's in your heart and your heart's sanctified and growing, the enemy can't get in there and touch it, Okay. So I want to encourage you today, renew your mind to the Word of God every day. Don't let the enemy in, because I know there's been people that have been walking with God for, for 10 or 20 years are now 
throwing their hands up and saying, I can't believe this anymore. And it's breaking my heart, man. It's like, what are you thinking? Just because you stumbled or you're in trouble or you had issues, you're righteous in God's eyes. You don't have to turn away. You have to dig in and fight for what you have. And it starts by praying. You know, I don't know. Many of you are in the, on the fast with us. It's like, you know, prayer and fasting will move mountains. You know, prayer alone moves mountains. And it says when two or three are gathered together, I am in their midst. Let me share something about that when two or three are gathered together in that phrase. It's, it's the same Greek words as they get the word symphony, where we're, we're making a joyful noise and a noise together to God. I think there's more than two or three in this room. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Just, just I know it's going to be weird. All right. We're all over family, right? Just touch the person next to you. Maybe stretch across a little bit. You know, just touch somebody on their shoulder, hold their hand, whatever. Because here's the deal. And we say it all the time at, at, at this church. You know, we're a family. We do things together. And we, we fight together. Uh, and, and I played organized sports my whole life. But when you know somebody has your back, you can be a little more bold, right? We, we had a guy on our team. His name was uh, Jim Summers. And he was our enforcer. So you know that what the words you were saying were going to be backed up by Jimmy. Because he wasn't going to take anything from anybody. And it was going to be on. Well, let me say, you have an enforcer. His name is Jesus. And you can be bold in the face of the enemy. And don't let him push you around. Don't let him tell you you will never be good enough. Don't let him tell you that you don't qualify for this. Right? Don't let him get in your mind and start messing things up. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come together as a family, as a unit, as righteous people in your eyes. Because of what you did, Jesus, nothing because of what we did. And Lord, we stand together as a family today, renewing our mind to the word of God, that we are righteous in your eyes, Jesus. And Father, that when you look at us, you see ours in our account. Because you, God, were the ultimate sacrifice for everything we've done for everything that we are going to do and everything that's happening around us. So, Father, we thank you and we lift our hands today and we thank you and honor you, Lord, for making us righteous. And, Lord, that we are going to stay righteous in the name of Jesus. The enemy has no authority in our minds, in our souls, in our hearts because they are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And, Father, I, I draw a line with the blood of Jesus around these, your people, that the enemy cannot cross in the name of Jesus. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Now, just if you, if you don't know if you're righteous or if you, you're not sure and you, you need to, it says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. We're going to confess in a minute. But if you're in this place and you've never... Raise your hand and confess Jesus is Lord. I need you to stick your hand up high right now so I can see it. Anybody anywhere in this place? We're all going to say it together anyway. So <laughs> we just want to, if you can lift your hand so I can see it. Anybody anywhere? 
Amen. Say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I commit my life to you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I believe in my heart that you are Lord. You are Jesus, my King. I lay my life down for my friends. I love you, Jesus. I am now righteous in your eyes. In Jesus' name. Congratulations. That wasn't hard. You have now have ours in your account. Now, quickly before we go, if you have a prayer concern, we're going to just worship real just right here at the end of service for a few minutes. If you have a prayer concern, you're going to have the prayer team come, and we're just going to worship for a couple of minutes before we split out of here. If you have a prayer concern, anything at all, you want to pray for your job, you want to pray for your kids, you want to pray for your neighbor, you want to pray for me, <laughs> you want to pray for anything, just seek one of these people out. There's uh, Holly, there's Chase, Joni's in the back. Just while we're worshiping today, just, just seek one of these people out. And uh, we can, you know, lay this before the Lord and, and just, you know, add our faith to yours. That's it. Anybody, anywhere, just be bold today. Let's worship. <laughs> 